Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor of Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thanks for joining us this Easter Sunday. I'll tell you, this is, this is very different this year, isn't it? Um, I was thinking back to my, my childhood and and I don't think I've missed being in a church building on a Sunday morning of my entire life. And uh, I'm sure that's true for many of you. So this is really pretty different this year. Uh, but thank you for joining us anyway. We're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection today. Um, so things have been difficult through this time of kind of being locked into our houses. Um, it's, been, it's been tough in many, many different ways. But there, there has been a few good things along the way. Uh, for example, my adult children have been coming over to our house for a game night and a, and a cookout. And so we've been playing board games, which we really haven't done probably like this for years. And so I've enjoyed that to a point, though, I will say, because um, my competitiveness comes out when we play board games. In fact, my kids say they, they hate it when I'm winning, and I would say I hate it when I'm losing. And the way things have been going these last couple of weeks when we've been playing is I've lost every time. And, and I will honestly say I have not enjoyed playing. I'm, I'm super competitive. I'm super competitive. I grew up the youngest of three boys in my family. Uh, we were a sports family. All we did was play sports. And, uh, and I, so I grew up playing all kinds of sports, different seasons. And I remember my favorite, one of my favorite sports was to play high school basketball. Um, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I got to play uh, high school basketball. And uh, our varsity team was undefeated at home my sophomore, junior, and senior year. I got to play a few games my sophomore year but uh, played it all the way through my junior and senior year. But it was so much fun on a Friday night or a Tuesday night, whenever that game was, to be in the locker room before the game, listening to the crowd outside and lacing up my shoes, knowing that we're going to win this game. I mean, it was so much fun to do that. We had the, the, the stands were packed. I mean, everybody came out to watch us play because they knew that we were going to win. And, and everybody loves a winning team. Well, I went to college, graduated from college, moved down to South Bend and, uh, and started working at Memorial Hospital. About a year or two after I started working there, they had a, uh, a, a basketball team. They sponsored a basketball team in a downtown South Bend league. Now, <laughs> I had never played basketball in downtown South Bend, and I didn't know that they actually played above the rim, where I usually played below the rim. But we joined, I joined this team, and I remember the first night we showed up at this game, there were actually 20 of us on our team. And uh, just 20 people from, that worked at Memorial Hospital all joined this team. And so we started playing this game, and uh, the coach divided us up into uh, five or four teams of five, and so we each got to play a quarter. And uh, at the end of the night, we looked up at the scoreboard, and the score was 48 to 35. We had 35. And it might look like it was a close game, but 
what the scoreboard couldn't show is the one because they actually had 145, 148 to our 35 points. It was demoralizing. I had never played in a, in a team that had lost that bad in my life. Well, I had to decide, am I going to keep trying to play on this team or not? And I decided to. So I came back the next week. And you know what? There were only five players that came back. I was one of the five. Uh, we were that bad that 15 players quit the team after the first night. And there were, the stands weren't packed and our coach didn't show up. Our coach had quit as well. And that was a long, long season. We ended up losing every game, as you can imagine. And, uh, and we didn't have very many fans. And you know why we didn't have very many fans? Because people like to support and be part of a winning team. Now, if you think back to 2016, the night of November 2nd, early in the morning on November 3rd, right after midnight, uh, you might know where you were, because I know there are some Cubs fans listening to this message today. Well, that was the night that the Cubs won the World Series. It was 10 innings. They won 8-7, to seven, and it was, their, it was their first championship since 1908. That summer, there were a lot of Cubs fans moving, especially into the fall. In fact, I grew up in Michigan, so not a big Cubs fan, but that summer, I actually paid attention to them. I didn't buy a hat or a shirt, but I did watch the game and I was rooting them on because they were winning. They were winning. Everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves to be part of a winning team. And my prayer is that one day I'll be able to pull out my Detroit Lions Barry Sanders jersey and wear it again with pride, but they're not a winning team, haven't been for a while, and so I'll just keep that safely tucked away until that day that they are champions once again. Because people love winning teams, and they love to be part of a winning team. Now hold that thought. Today we're starting a new message series here on Easter Sunday. It's titled, Identity Theft, Taking Back What the Enemy Has Stolen. And this message series is going to be about our identity in Christ. It's who we become when we become followers of Christ, but there is an enemy who tries to convince us otherwise. So we're going to talk about different aspects of our identity in Christ and, and just really remember those, grab a hold of those, and take them back from the enemy. Our key verse for this series is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So when we decide to follow Christ, we get a new identity. And today we're going to be talking about one of those aspects of our identity in Christ. And what that is, is to be a victor, to be a champion, to be a winner, because Christ was a winner and he is a victor and he still and will forever be undefeated. And we get to be part of that. So today I will be reading the Easter story. It's one of the most victorious dates in history. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24, and you can turn there if you would like. And uh, um, I'm going to set this up, though, first, because this is the classic good versus evil, all right? So what you have is you have, just to set the stage for this, you have the Jewish people who have been looking for the Messiah, the Savior, who has been prophesied about 
for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And so they're looking for the Savior. And one of the prophecies of the Savior was that the Savior would be born to a virgin. Well, Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, and he fulfilled that prophecy. And not only did he fulfill that prophecy, he fulfilled dozens of prophecies about the Messiah. So Jesus is the good guy. He's kind of the good guy in this story. Now, the villain, of course, in this story is the devil. And the devil knows all about the Messiah. He'd been studying this because he knows scripture and he's been watching and he saw Mary and he saw Jesus being born. And the first thing that the devil tries to do, the villain, is he tries to kill Jesus. He stirs up King Pilate, I'm sorry, King Herod. And uh, he fills him full of jealousy and says, you know, that there's another king, a king of the Jews that's being born. And so you need to take him out. And so King Herod actually goes and kills every baby that was two years or younger in the whole vicinity of Bethlehem. Now, Jesus' dad is reminded or warned in a dream to flee because this is going to happen. And so Joseph takes Mary and Jesus and takes them to Egypt, and he escapes this murderous threat by King Herod. So later on, Jesus grows up. And at 30 years old, he gets baptized and he's ready to start his public ministry. So he goes into the wilderness and he fasts and he prays. And you know who shows up? This, the enemy, the bad guy. The devil shows up and he starts tempting Jesus. He says, well, if I can't kill you, I'm going to tempt you to follow me. And so he, he lays out fame and fortune to Jesus and says, I will give this all to you. And, and, he, and he really could because Satan is the prince of the world. And he laid it all out to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I will not serve you. And he walks away from all of that. Well, that infuriates Satan. And Satan decides, well, if I can't, if I can't tempt him, I'm going to go back to the first plan and I'm going to kill him. So over the next three years, Satan plots against Jesus. In the meantime, Jesus you know, he gathers his 12 disciples. He's preaching the good news. He's healing the sick. He's doing all of these great things. And he has crowds of people following him. So he instills into the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. These are the religious people of that time. They, they just instills into them this jealousy. And they're just jealous of all of the attention and the fame that Jesus is getting. So they decide, and I believe it was just, instilled into them by the devil himself, they decide to plot against Jesus and have him killed. At the same time, they, uh, they entice Judas to betray Jesus with money. And so greed gets a hold of Judas's heart, and he decides, I'm going to take 30 pieces of silver, 30 silver coins, and I'm going to betray Jesus. So that's what happens. Judas betrays Jesus in the middle of the night, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't want the crowds to see this. They try him while it's still dark. It's early in the morning. They take him to the Romans, and they beat him, and they hang him on a cross. And before most people even get out of their houses, Jesus, the Messiah, is hanging on the cross. That happened on Good Friday, just a couple days ago. And by the middle of the afternoon, Jesus is dead. 
And it's at that point that, you know, you can just imagine how the disciples feel. They're, they're lost. I mean, they're sad. They're confused. They, they don't know what happened. All of the, the people that were following Jesus, they don't understand what happened as well. And Satan, Satan, you can just imagine Satan is smirking and thinking, I want, I want. All the crowds that followed Jesus, they left. They left because they thought that Jesus had lost as well. But we know, we know that's not the end of the story. So we're going to pick up the story today on Easter Sunday, on the third day. We'll be in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, second, I want to be able to see this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Jesus came back to life. Jesus won the ultimate battle over death, defeated Satan completely at that time. See, Jesus is the victor. And when we identify with him, we get to share in that title as winners, as victors. So today's message is titled Victorious, Belonging to the Winning Team. And it's a message about what it takes to be on Jesus' winning team. I'm going to give you a couple of points. You can write those down as, as notes if you would like, or just listen along. But let me pray first, and then we'll get started. So God, we come to you right now, and we thank you today on Easter Sunday that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, and that you rose him from the dead, and that he is alive today and, and reigning in victory, God. And that we, as followers of Jesus, have an opportunity to, to win and be victorious alongside of him. So Lord, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear from you today, and that you would give me your words to speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple of points for you. When we belong to Jesus' winning team, Number one, we need to play by his rules. It's pretty important. We need to play by his rules. Verses six and seven says, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. When Jesus was still alive, he was telling his disciples, they're going to arrest me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. He told them that again and again, but it didn't make sense to the disciples. In fact, at one time, the disciple Peter pulls Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, no, no, you got to stop talking like that because there's no way that you're going to die. You're going to be a king and I'm going to be 
like your first lieutenant and we're going to rule. And Jesus looked at Peter and he says, get behind me. He actually called him Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because he knew that he didn't have in mind the ideas of God and the plans of God, but the, the ideas and plans of man. It was very different. Jesus understood that in order for me and you to have a way to heaven, to have a, a way to eternity with God, we needed someone to die in our place, to pay the price for our sins. And Jesus understood that. That was part of his plan. That was part of his set of rules. Jesus played by a very different set of rules. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. See, that's a different set of rules. This idea of giving up our lives to, to take up our cross, which they understood, that meant that you were going to be crucified, this painful, horrible death. And Jesus is saying, you got to give up your life if you're going to follow me. If you want to be my disciple, you have to do that. Well, that was very, very contrary to them. And it's very, very contrary to us because we tend to live by a single rule called the rule of self-preservation, right? I mean, we try to do what's best for me and, and to try to take care of me. I try to keep myself alive. In fact, if you think about it, the only way that a car going 65 miles an hour going this way and a car going 65 miles an hour this way, the only way that they keep missing each other time and time again is because we're afraid to die, right? I mean, we, we try to do anything to keep ourselves alive. And, and so if we swerve just a little bit, our heart races, our attention goes up and we move back. And that's why we have very, very little accidents where people are running into each other. It's this law of self-preservation. We just, we were born that way to take care of ourselves. But that's not the way that Jesus taught us. That's not what, that's not Jesus's set of rules. His set of rules is that you need to deny yourself and give up your life for others. It reminded me again of another basketball illustration. We had a really good coach and uh, he, he knew that if we were going to be a championship team, we needed to play basketball on both sides of the court, on the offensive side and the defensive side. And so there's this play on the defensive side called taking a charge. And what you do is if, if somebody's charging into the lane, you jump in front of them and you just stop and don't even move. And they just run you right over. I mean, they just demolish you. You go smacking down on the ground, but it ends up being a foul on the offensive team and you get the ball back. And so the coach loved it. He coached it and he taught us all the time, go out there and take a charge, take a charge. Well, that was a self-sacrificing way to help your team win. Well, that's the way it is with Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you have to be willing to lay down your wants and your desires to follow him. It's a different set of rules. You can write this down. The greatest play in Jesus's playbook is self-sacrifice. Jesus modeled it and he expects it from us. If we are going to be on his team, if we're going to be his disciple, he expects us to play with a lot of self-sacrifice. Now during this, this crisis, and we've seen, we've seen a lot of self-preservation, haven't we? 
I mean, it doesn't take very long. You just go to Meyer, you go to Walmart, go to Martin's, and you look down the toilet paper aisle, and what do you see? You see nothing. Why is that? Because people are worried about having enough toilet paper. And so much so that they are just grabbing as much as they can and they're taking care of themselves and not caring about other people. Now, I've seen some sacrificial stories as well. Nurses and and doctors and, and people working at food pantries. There's a lot of people who are doing a lot of good in the world too. But wouldn't it be nice if during this crisis, the church would really step up And they would be willing to self-sacrifice to help the people around us. It's an opportunity for us as followers of Christ to really step up and be the light in this dark, dark world. So I do have an assignment for each of us this week, myself included. The assignment is to go next door to uh, the house next door, or if you have an apartment, go across the hallway or go up, up a floor or whatever, and knock on your neighbor's door and just say, hey, do you need anything? Like I got 16 packs of toilet paper. Do you need any, you know, or do you need some food? Or I or just call them up and say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need me to pick you up anything? But let's be self-sacrificing and being willing to help the people around us. And that's a real practical way we can do that. So I hope you will do that this week. So that's point number one. When we belong to Jesus's winning team, we need to play by his rules. And here's point number two. When we belong to Jesus' winning team, we have to get out of the stands and get into the game. Kyle Eidelman, pastor and author, wrote a book called Not a Fan. And it's a wonderful book. If you haven't read it, you should definitely read it. There's even a, a message series on Right Now Media. If you have that, you can watch those videos. It's really, really good. But the whole premise is this, that that there's a huge difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And he uses the whole sports analogy as well. That's probably why I really like this book. But he talks about the difference between being a fan of a professional sport and being a player in a professional sport. So there are actually a lot of things that are similar between the two. For example, they both show up at the games, right? They're both there. Fans and players are both there. Both get, they both get emotionally involved in the game. You know, they want their team to win, and they, they're happy if they win. They're sad if they lose. They wear the same uh, uniforms. You know, a lot of them you know, wear jerseys and baseball hats and T-shirts and even the same shoes. You know, that all happens. And they both post all over social media. You know, so sometimes you can think as a fan, I mean, I'm just like a player, but we all know there is a huge difference between an armchair quarterback and a professional quarterback, NFL quarterback, right? There is a huge difference between them. Well, this is true in Christianity as well. There's a huge difference between a fan and a follower. But again, they, they might look the same on the outside. Most of them, they both probably go to church on most Sundays. You can see them sitting in a church. They talk the talk on social media post little Bible verses and things like that. Um, They both probably would say they honestly know who the person Jesus is. And and both may even know some of scripture, may understand some of the Bible stories. And they both may even believe that Jesus was the son of God. 
So there's a lot of similarities there, but one is a fan and one is a follower. Here's where things get to be a little bit different. You can believe that Jesus is who he said he was and not be a follower of him. There is a huge difference between being a fan of the person of who Jesus is and being a follower of Christ. There's a scripture that I love, Romans 10, 9 and 10, because I think that this one kind of really talks about the difference. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if you want to be a follower of Christ, it takes both of those. It's not just the belief part. Now, the belief part is super important. We can't have Jesus be our Savior if we don't believe that he was the Savior. So we do need to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. But we also have to profess that Jesus is Lord. And I'm not talking about saying Jesus is Lord of the universe or or Lord of this country, you know, I'm talking about professing and confessing that Jesus is my Lord. See, that's the difference. You can be a fan of Jesus and never have him be your Lord. In fact, there's scripture that says, on the last day, there are going to be many people who said, I knew you, Jesus. You know, I tried to do the things you said, but Jesus will say, no, you, you really didn't. You pretty much did what you wanted to do. You never put me in that place of being Lord. So when we confess that Jesus is Lord of our lives, and we say that, and we believe that he was the son of God, and he was raised from the dead, from the dead then that's when we're saved. What's it mean to be saved? Well, it means that we're saved from our sins. Uh, It means that we are saved from an eternity in hell. And it means that we are given heaven as our reward. When I was younger, I I went to church every Sunday. I knew the Bible stories. Uh, I even liked Jesus. You know, I sang songs that Jesus loves me. I knew this and, and I understood that but I really wasn't following after him. I hadn't made him my Lord. And later on in my life, I I realized that there was a difference between being a fan and a follower. And I confessed my sins to Jesus and I confessed him as my Lord. And that was the day that Jesus became my Lord. And that's when my life changed. And it's been crazy ever since. I wouldn't change a thing about it, but it's been crazy ever since. Being a follower of Christ I will tell you, it's so much better. It's so much better to get into the game than to just be sitting in the stands cheering other people on. So I'm going to ask each of us to consider a question today. Here's a question. Am I a follower of Jesus or am, am I just really a good fan? Am I a follower of Jesus or am I just a really good fan? All right, so I'm going to do things a little bit different this morning. As you see, I'm I'm kneeling down because I want to lower myself so that I can lift Jesus high. It's one of the ways that we submit ourselves to God and we kind of declare that he is Lord. 
So here's what I'd like you guys to do. I know this is a little awkward because you're watching this at home. You're watching this maybe in the car or you're um, in the kitchen or the bedroom, the living room, something like that. You may be alone or you may be with some people. But I'm going to ask you to join me and just, and just kneel down. Because on this Easter Sunday, Jesus deserves our reverence for him. He really does. He deserves our reverence. And so here's the deal. If, if, if Jesus is your Lord, or you want Jesus to be your Lord, I want to invite you to just kneel down. And what I want to do is I want to pray a prayer of just confession to put Jesus in the rightful place that he is. And so if Jesus is your Lord, this will just be a reminder for you. Um, but if you've never prayed a prayer of salvation to declare Jesus your Lord, this is an opportunity for you to do it. And I'm going to invite you just to repeat after me. I'm going to say a few phrases. I want you to consider them. And if you mean them in your heart, I want you to repeat them after me. So let's just pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And I confess my need for you. I need you to rescue me from my sins. I've made bad decisions in the past. I am far from perfect. But I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me as the payment for my sins. So I receive his sacrifice as payment for my sins today. And as I kneel here, I confess that you are my Lord and that I will follow you. I don't want to be just a fan. I want to be a fan of you and a follower of you. So Jesus, thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for including me on your winning team. And Lord, help me to walk in victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please let me know. Send me an email, post in the comments, and just say, I joined the team. I would really appreciate that because I want to get you some information that will help you on your journey. And if you've confessed that again and you're kind of back on the team, do the same thing. Just say, I was off the team, but I'm back on the team. Just tell me that too. Post a comment and let me know. But thank you guys for bowing down before the Savior of the world and giving him the honor and adoration that he deserves. I hope you have a wonderful Easter Sunday. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.